0: I want to just start by asking the question, why do you do what you do? What what causes you, what leads you to do what you do in your life on a weekly basis? What, What are you building your life on? What is your life built on and why is it built on that? Why do why do we do what we do? And I'm, I'm asking these questions because this passage starts with this, this word, therefore. And, and I just believe that, that we do therefore in big ways in our lives. And we do therefore in small ways of our lives every single day. Therefore, I'm doing this because of this. Therefore, I'm going to make this decision because I've built my life on this, on this one thing, on this something in our lives. And so Paul gets to this point and he's saying this, therefore, is here because it's built on something huge. And so I started thinking about this and I, I really started thinking about uh, Matthew Hansen And and why does Matthew do what he does with fighting human trafficking? I mean, that's a that's a huge call. That's a big deal. That's not like, you know, I'm going to go and become a pastor to church and grow the small group ministry or something. I mean, this is like global. Uh, this is a big deal. And so I said, Matthew, what was that moment in your life? What was that that therefore moment in your life that said, this is what I'm going to do. This is what what I'm doing. And so I'm going to read what he wrote me because it's uh, I don't I really it's really good. And so just bear with me. It says this. It all started over 18 years ago. As I sat in a broken down cafe in Moscow, and I was having one of those moments where it seemed like God was speaking directly to me through his word and he burdened me with speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. I had no idea how I was going, how that was going to be applicable in my life. But I would spend the next 17 years trying to figure out how fast forward 15 years. I'm back sitting in an orphanage in North Russia, sitting back in my chair, watching a class perform some song and dance as they normally do when the Americans come to see them. Watching these kids tore me up as they gave their all, hoping that we would appreciate value and accept and love them. They'd lock eyes with you and smile and then get lost back in their performance. Then as I'm watching these performances, it was like a voice just spoke to me and said, you didn't choose to be born in the USA. That was pretty strange until the thought occurred further into it. And they didn't choose to be born in Russia into the situations that they're born in. And the thought kept going, except for my grace, Those could be your daughters up there. And all of a sudden, those girls on that stage, those boys dancing their little hearts out were no longer distant orphans. That I would no longer see again, but they were I saw them at this point as my son and daughters up there. That same trip we were talking about some of the with some of the orphan directors. Mind you, I already had this son daughter thing in my soul now. And the conversation aging out of homes came up and the directors with almost no emotion and their voices simply said, short of a miracle, these girls you see here will end up raped, beaten and forced into prostitution. And the boys here will be the ones doing this to the girls. The thought again arose, if it not for the grace of God, these could be your children. My children raped, sold into prostitution, beaten, murdered. For distant, Russian kids, I could cry and pray for them. But I would do much more for my own. I would reorient my entire life for their freedom. Everything would change. Now listen to this. A few days later, on that same trip, I checked into a dump of a hotel room, and after I got into my room, my phone rang. In very broken English, the man on the other side said, Are you ready for your room service? Confused, I said... Wrong room and hung up. I had no idea what was going on. Ten minutes later, the phone rang again. The same man, the same broken English, but much more explicit request. I shivered and hung up the phone. I felt as if someone was watching us, yet I still didn't know what was going on. Later on, I had it explained to me that the local pimps worked alongside with hotel managers. And when a single guy would check into a hotel, the manager would call the pimp to see if he had available, hence, room service. Once again, outside of the grace of God, my daughters could be one of those room service. And the thought, the anger, the rage, the brokenness filled the demand for a response I didn't know what I could do, so I began to study, and read, and visit, and pray. The silent screams of the innocent became louder and louder in my soul, and I couldn't silence them. Therefore, my life had to be reoriented around speaking up for those who could not speak for themselves, for the rights all who uh, for the rights of all who are destitute, to defend the rights of the poor and the needy. I had spent 15 years trying to find out. What that verse applied to. Then one cold winter. Russia the who. Found me. See that therefore in Matthew's life. It didn't it didn't just come from nowhere. It came from. And was built on the mercy of God. And God's passion for his. His creation. And so. I don't know about you. But that, that challenged me greatly. As. I read that email on my screen and I'm thinking, John, what's your therefore? You know, what are you doing here? Why are you doing what you're doing? What what is what is your life built upon? I say I ask you the same question. What what are the therefores in your lives? Why are you doing what you're doing? What what is your life uh, built for? And built to do and, and as we look at this Romans 12, so we get to, to this chapter and the first word is therefore and it's built on a massive, huge foundation of Romans 1 through 11 and it calls us to do something significant. It calls us to, to make a decision in a big way. But before we do that, I just want to talk about the, why that therefore is there and what, what is the foundation that we've been talking about for the last several weeks in Romans. And uh, I'm just going to kind of review through Romans 1. And it'll just take just a minute. But in Romans 1, we, we talked about it and, and, and went over that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone that believes. That the wrath of God is being revealed uh, from heaven against all ungodliness. It goes on to say in, in Romans three that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God, its foundations being built. That there's a new law that, that has been put in place. It's a law of faith. And there's justification before God that, that we can come before God in our sins, justified before God with our faith and our trust in Christ, who, who substituted his, his life and his sacrifice for us. It says that God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, while we were sinning, that Jesus Christ died for us. Because of the work of Jesus, Romans 6, that we're dead to sin, that we're alive in God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life in, in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's our gift. Romans 7 talked about that there's a conflict in our, our lives. That there's there's a sin in our lives, and, and Paul said it like this: I'm I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do, and I'm no longer uh, doing what I want to do. And but there's a sin that indwells in us that we're gonna we're gonna struggle with this reality of sin in our lives that we'll deal with the rest of our lives. In Romans nine, we've been going over the last couple weeks, three weeks, talks about that God is a sovereign God over every, He's over everything. And Romans 10 talks about the fact that we have a responsibility uh, to to represent God on this in this planet, to be an ambassador to him. And it talks about that, that how can they believe in him whom they have not heard? It's our job to tell people we have that responsibility. Matthew did that a couple weeks ago and then last week up to Romans 11. It says that God's faithful to his covenant, God's faithful to his people, God's faithful to us and all of that going on in Romans then. Paul gets to 12, but I want to read this last part of 11 because I think it's so tied uh, to to Romans 12. It says this Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him. For from him and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory of God. And so that's who God is. And we can never move forward to what we're supposed to do without talking about who God is and and, and all that he's done. That's what Romans 1 through 11 is all about, is, is about this foundation in which God has done these amazing things. God has done these things for us. God has done these powerful things for us. And then we get to 12 and it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship we're, because of who God is. We're created to worship him. It's in us to, to respond to him, to, to give our lives back to him, to, to worship him. And it's because of his mercy. It's because of Romans one through eleven, because of his mercy towards us. Now, and then this this verse kind of begins to talk, switch a little bit. It's just, then it calls us to do something because of God's mercy. I want you to offer. I want you to bring something to me. And, and it begins to talk in this this Old Testament kind of language. I want you to bring your your body to me. I want you to bring everything to me. As a living sacrifice. But it, but it's kind of different than this Old Testament language. Because it didn't talk about a, about a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament what would happen is. People would bring sacrifices to God. And the way they would do it is. They would pick a, a bull or a, a goat. Or a lamb, a sheep. And they would they would take it. It would be their best one. They wouldn't bring their junk to God. It would be the biggest, spotless, perfect lamb. And they, they would get it. And they would bring it to to the priest and they would bring it up to the temple and the priest would get that animal and they put the animal on the altar and and the priest would just slit its throat and the the blood would come from the animal on the, on the altar. And it was, it was an image and a vision of this, this animal's blood covering that person's sin, that animal, that perfect spotless animal stood in the place of that person and was a substitute for that person's sin. And all that whole Old Testament sacrificial system and all those practices over and over and over was even pointing to a bigger picture. And it really started with John the Baptist when when Jesus was walking down, when John the Baptist was was baptizing people. I mean, just imagine being there, this big crowd, and Jesus is coming down, and John the Baptist uh, sees Jesus, and he says, Look! Behold, the Lamb of God, who's going to take away the sins of the world. That's the Lamb of God. Yeah, that that whole thing you guys have been doing, bringing these bulls and these lambs and these goats and and their blood on the altar and covering your sin. This guy's going to take it all. He's going to take it all. And so we have this picture now. So what the call is for us is, is we're to bring our lives a living sacrifice and offer our bodies to God. When do you feel most alive? When was the last time you were like, Man, I am so, I feel so great, I feel so alive? I think I can guess because it's true for me. Whenever I lay my life down and I offer it to somebody else or I sacrifice something, it costs, then I feel awake. I feel alive. I feel blessed. It's true when we when we lay our lives down and and we we put our lives before God and we put our lives as a sacrifice to other people. It's a blessing to them. It's a blessing to God. But the point of this passage, and it's it's just so unique from anything that was going on in the Old Testament, is it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? It's simple. What it means is is that God wants all of you. He doesn't want a substitute anymore. He doesn't want a lamb anymore. He doesn't want a bull anymore. He doesn't want a sheep anymore. He doesn't want what your parents did. He doesn't want what Aunt Betty did for you a long time ago. He doesn't want what some like what Brandon talked about, that we, we can't earn heaven by what our parents. He wants you. He wants me. He wants us, and he says, "I want your body," because if he has our hands and our feet and our legs and our mind and our heart and our soul, which is the seat of our emotions, where we God now has our emotions, and He has all of us. That's what God wants. That's all He wants is you. He wants you to bring yourself to Him. To Him, that's a big deal because it's so easy for us just to want to. Go and do and do and, and all this stuff and get busy. But this is a call to stop and say, God, God, I'm yours. God, here's here's my body today. Here's my mind today. Here's my eyes and my feet and my hands and my fingers and my ear. I, here I am, God. I want to be a living sacrifice for you today. I want to live in a sacrificial way for you today and it goes on in verse 2 it says this do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good and pleasing and perfect will. And I'm not going to go in explanation on this passage because Brandon taught on this the first Sunday of this year, I believe like January 6th or something like that, 4th. So go online, listen to that. He did an excellent job uh, talking about transformation. But what I want to do is begin to start in verse 3 uh, of this of uh, Romans 12. And it says this. Now, we have to keep what we just talked about in mind. We can't now disconnect from the living sacrifice off of your bodies. Deal, uh, this is all connected. So, verse three: for for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. I think that means all of us here today. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith of Go- the faith God has distributed to you. It's hard to be a living sacrifice. And get too proud. It's hard to, to lay down your life and, 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 and give your life to other. I, I can't remember who said this, but it's, it was a, recently I was listening to somebody or whatever. And he was just talking about humility. And, and humility is when we don't consider ourselves. That's what true humility is. When we're not, we're not thinking about us. We're thinking about somebody else. We're thinking about, I'm doing this for God. This isn't for me. That's what he's talking about here because when you when you when you offer your body it's a humbling thing so humility is required and then it talks about here that in accordance with the faith God's given us uh, that that there's certain things that, that are going to happen in in our lives and so God's given us a measure of faith in our lives this is God's mercy okay so verse 4 for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So this is talking about one body. This is talking about a specific church. In this context, Paul's talking about specifically this Roman church. Okay, but today we're we're specifically talking about Austin New Church, the specific church he's talking about here, and that that it's full of members. But there's different functions, and and this is so beautiful because what it talks about in in this biblical, kind of poetic, kind of powerful way is that there's individualism. God honors, and he says they don't all have the same function. Every one of us in this room is different. We're all different. so And, and the Bible honors that and, and declares it. Every person in this room, there's something different about you. There's something that you have to bring to the table. But but it's not this individualistic, uh, psycho-American individualistic that we, we, we sometimes see. Because then it ends with, but each member belongs to the other. So it's this, this beautiful picture of that, yeah, we're all individuals. We all have different giftings and wirings and, and God's put us together differently, but we all belong together. And so we have this individualism kind of piece, but we also it's tied to this huge community piece that, that there's no separation here that that we're individuals with gifts and all that. And it all comes in to, to one one body and it works Uh, beautifully. Now we're going to look at spiritual gifts and we're going to talk about just a few and then then we'll close today. But I just want to say this, that every person in this room has at least one and more than likely more than one spiritual gift that God has entrusted to you. God's given you this gift. Okay? So let's read verse 6. We have different gifts according to To the grace given to each of us. Okay, so according to the grace of God that has been given to us, we have gifts. So you have at least one. Alright? Now let's talk about that for a second. Every gift is rooted in God's grace. Meaning this, you can't earn it. You can't earn a gift. You can't like work yourself into... The gift of prophecy or work yourself into serving people. You just stir your God gives you that based on the grace that he's given you. You know what else it tells us? It tells us that that we are who we are because of the grace of God. That these, these things that God's entrusted to us, these, these gifts are based in His grace, and they're there, and we are that because, because God's given it to us. Have you ever thought about that? Your ability to do what you do, Monday through Friday, whatever that is, teaching, being a mom, being an executive, running a business, traveling around the state, whatever those gifts and abilities are, God gave those to you by his grace by by his by his mercy he entrusted those things to you and these gifts are are to be used because they're grace based they're they're to be used as, as a blessing to people they're they're to be used these gifts to build up each other to build up the church that's what these gifts are so now we have these these grace and God entrusted gifts in our lives, and they're, they're to be used to build up the church. You finish reading verse 6. We'll read through verse 8. If your gift is prophecy, we're going to talk about some specific ones. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. All right, so let's talk about these prophecy. First one on there. What is it? What is prophecy? If you've got your outline, I think I have mine up here on, on the back. Just flip over. I, I've kind of just written, uh, and I stole a lot of these definitions from a whole bunch of different. I looked at like three places and just kind of made, uh, these definitions, but, um, on the back, just, just look at those as we go through this. that will be helpful for you. So prophecy is this many times this happens through preaching and it's used to edify the church and to bring instruction. All prophecy must be in agreement with Scripture. And sometimes this is a revelation about a future event that is intended for the whole church to know. That's prophecy. Okay, It doesn't have to be weird. All right. No one has to fall over to get a prophetic word, all right? I mean, it's, it's, it's biblical. It's good. When my son was born, there was a lady, awesome, great friend of ours in the church that we were at at the time, that just said, the Lord told me about your son, that he's going to be like Flint in the world. That's all she said. What does Flint do? It's used to sharpen things, Right. OK, so I receive that about him, OK, about just a prophetic word and faith over his life. And, and, and we're starting to see this some. OK, and so we believe that. And so if that's true about a person and so sometimes it's upfront, sometimes it's personal, whatever it is. But it's a it's a great gift and it's used to edify and to to bring instruction And to bring some direction to to a life. Okay? Paul talked about it when he wrote Timothy. What did he say about Timothy? Remember, Timothy, don't you remember that day? We laid our hands on you. We prophesied over you to do the things you're doing today. Don't forget that, Timothy. I don't know what they said to him. I wasn't there. But we see it used in the Bible where they lay hands on people. They pray and they speak prophecy over a person's life. And maybe gifts come alive, whatever. It's highly spiritual. Thank God. All right. Serving. They find joy in helping alleviate the burdens of others. This gift is usually accomplished with sacrifice and the ability to perceive the needs of others. I almost think if you're at A&C, you have to have this gift. (laughs) All right? Nearly. All right? Or get used to it. Um, But really what it is... Maybe just in a personal way. It's when in our lives we we see something, we we see something around us, or we hear about something, and it's just like in us, I got to do something about that. We got to make something has to change here. That that's the that's the inner part of of having the gift of serving, uh, teaching. Teaching is the ability, and this is a little misunderstood, I think. Teaching is the ability to understand and communicate the Bible in a clear and relevant manner. So there is understanding and application. Must study and learn on a frequent basis. Okay, so when you teach, it's understood. It it can be applied. Uh, I think where the misconception is, is that whoever's teaching just showed up. There's so much behind the scenes in teaching. And if you don't like studying and and being alone and struggling with God, it's going to be hard to teach because teaching 90% of teaching is preparation. I may spend 15 hours on what I'm talking to you today. I get 30 minutes to do it. (laughs) Okay, and so there's a lot of behind the scenes. So you've got to you can't love the stage more than you love the God who's going to tell you what to say on the stage. Right. And so that's teaching is just getting alone and and hearing and and processing and and, uh, uh, shaking and uh, being scared because you don't want to mess it up. And so there is, there's kind of this behind the scenes deal that is teaching. A lot of times we just see the teaching encouragement involves motivating and encouraging those in the relationship with God is is attracted to those that. That are discouraged and hurting normally expresses uh, great patience with others. Okay, this is a huge need in the church. We need to encourage one other because, I mean, we get discouraged like daily. Something, and we need people in our lives to to encourage us. And so, if you have that gift, please use it. Okay, encourage people, encourage them in their walk with God. And and if you're that kind of person, you have this gift of encouragement. You, you have this special ability. To to see people, and to not just see them where they are, but help them to walk through whatever that is, and kind kind of get them to to the other side. And so it takes great patience uh, to be an encourager, uh, because sometimes that thing you're encouraging is is a rough place, and and so you want to help that person. Next one is giving. They realize everything they have belongs to God. They love sharing what they have with others. They look for opportunities to give. That's amazing. Sometimes Somebody comes up to you and say, Hey, what's going on in your life that I can just seed financially into? <laughs> does that ever happened to you? It's happened like twice to me. I like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's just like that's when somebody does that, they got the gift of giving. And I think sometimes on this, the confusion on this one is well, people that have the gift of giving have a lot of money. That's not true. That's not true. I know a many a single moms that are faithful tithers and givers they and they're not, they have nothing. But what they have, they give. Or that person that may have not very much, but they, they find a kid who needs a coat and they go buy the coat that's the gift of giving. They didn't write a million dollar check. They're just giving. They're just they want to share. They they understand God's entrusted them with all this great stuff, whatever it is, and they want to give it back. It's the gift of giving. Leadership. They have a clear and compelling vision. They are able to communicate it and people gladly follow. They hold their uh, the, the influence and people come to them. For direction. OK, so. Evie uh, Hill, pastor in Southern California, said if if you think you're leading and no one's following, you're only taking a walk. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it, it, that's leadership. I mean, you got to have somebody following you. I, I just say this. I, the Brandon Hatmaker has the gift of leadership. Hands down. This defines him. He, he is one of the finest leaders I've ever worked with. And, and so I, I love this uh, gift and, and following him. And so thank God we have a pastor that leads this church that has the gift of leadership. Okay, Because I don't know where we'd be going if we didn't. Um, next is this, mercy in the last one. They see those that are guilty, but consistently look to restore them to Christ. These people are very connected to their own sin and need for Jesus. I think that's maybe the most important part of that. You know your own sin. You know your own weaknesses. You know your own issues. And that's so deep in you and you see it and you just want to help. Man, I want to help you get with God. They understand the gospel of Jesus Christ well. They know what the gospel is about. They know their own need for Christ, and so they're able. They've experienced that mercy of God in in a deep way in their life, and they want to help other people. Okay, these are just some of the gifts. In other books, uh, in a couple other books, there's more of these kind of gifts. In fact, if you read further down in Romans, there's some more. We just don't have time to go over them today. Um, But these are gifts, and, and if you have them, please share them. We need these gifts operating in the church. Look for opportunity to, to bring these gifts uh, into the church and, and to see uh, them happen in a, in, a, in a way that will make the body of Christ a healthy, a healthy thing. And so let's just pray. Uh, it would be good if you just close your eyes and let's just have a time of reflection about this message, what God spoke to us here in Romans